Welcome to the Mr. Bill Podcast. This is Anand Harsh, his manager, and I'm also editor-in-chief over at TheUns.com. Bill hates doing these intros, and it's really painful for him to shill his products and services, but I have no dignity, so it's not really an issue for me. Uh, his guests today are Clockvice and Forso, two of the most exciting and technically proficient producers in the contemporary bass scene. Lucas and Tom are from Sweden and the UK, respectively, but have bridged their geographical divide from each other and us here in the States to have a, a pretty big impact on the progressive bass world in North America, Europe, and beyond. Between the two of them, they have releases on Monster Cat and Inspected and have received support from Cohen Sound, Bass Nectar, and even Aphex Twin. They've jointly produced a ton of music together, and their careers have become fairly intertwined at this point, which is why it made sense for Bill to interview them together. Once again, before we jump into the interview, I'm going to do some shilling on Bill's behalf. His Patreon just launched, which allows supporters at every level to get early access to these episodes, which means you're hearing Thursday's episode on Monday and the following Monday's episode is coming out on Thursday. So you're living in the future. Also, there are fun uh, perks like a role on Bill's Discord server, exclusive merch bundles, and bonus episodes of the podcast. So head over to patreon.com slash MrBillsTunes for all the info and to support this show. Uh, one final thing, go to MrBillsTunes.com to sign up as a hardcore Abletoneer so you can become better at producing. All right, you're ready for Clockvice and Vorso. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 Fuck yeah, cool. Well, thanks for doing the podcast. I appreciate you taking the time. Oh, of course. Thanks no worries. For There's <laughs> nothing else to do at the moment. Right. <laughs> yeah, what's the, uh, what's the quarantine situation like in uh, the UK and Sweden? Um, I'm really interested to hear how it is in Sweden, actually. So, Lucas, do you want to go first? Well, I mean, it's, uh, the approach has been quite liberal. Uh, like That's what not, I've been hearing. Yeah, like there's not an official like quarantine going on. It's just like there's a recommendation to stay home, basically. Hmm. Yeah, it's probably a good idea. I mean, this thing seems pretty infective, so <laughs> staying yeah, home is... Yeah, not ideal. Uh, here it's been pretty bad. Right, yeah. It, same, same in San Francisco. I think San Francisco is one of the first cities to like lock down right and i oh mean i kind of get pissed off when i like see instagram stories and shit of people who are just like hey cheap flights and like there's no one on this plane <laughs> yeah. and like it's oh. like just because they're like clearly extroverted and fucking bored yeah so they're just like <laughs> deciding to just continue about their life as normal but it's like people yeah. like that who are, who are being vectors for the whole thing and kind of perpetuating yeah. the fucking infection and then on top of that maybe the reason like i keep hearing these things from experts about like second waves and third waves and shit and it, if you look in um into the history of like the spanish flu apparently the second and third waves of that were just insanely bad like way worse than the first um so a lot of people are, are predicting that that's going to happen with this too and uh it's pretty much because of people like that i would say oh and it's it's basically been we oh, how many it's about two months of lockdown in the uk now and Jeez. They've just started, they've just changed from their motto being stay indoors to uh, be vigilant, which is <laughs> whatever that means. Um, oh, fuck's sake. But I, I think it's so that they can kind of adjust what be vigilant means depending on how things are going. So it could be be vigilant, everyone stay indoors, or be vigilant, just watch out, don't sit on the park bench, don't sneeze <laughs> on people. <laughs> Right, by making the rules sort of vague, they can also probably like 
yeah. get a lot more martial lorry about it and like the, the repercussions could be way worse <laughs> like yeah. yeah if you're not vigilant i'm just saying like try to be vigilant but if you're not you will go to jail <laughs> and then they just see somebody like i don't know sitting on a park bench minding their own business reading a magazine they're like you that's not, not very vigilant, vigilant if you <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um cool so yeah i guess like if you're inside all the time have you been writing shitloads of tunes uh i mean i should have been but i've mostly just been playing monster hunter <laughs> monster hunter what's that <laughs> it is what it sounds like okay Hunt, hunting monsters what, so yeah, basically what, what does that mean <laughs> hunting <laughs> big fuck off dragons no, no. <laughs> yeah which uh which platform is this for uh, it's on the PC, but I think it's available for like PS4 and stuff as well. Nice. I just yeah. got a uh, VR headset. I got an Oculus Quest. Ooh, and, sick. Um, Ooh. I've been playing Richie's Plank Experience and things like that. I literally just about maybe two hours ago listened to your podcast with Slink. Oh, nice. With, that game sounds so cool. Dude, yeah, Richie's Plank Experience is insane. <laughs> yeah. do, do you know what it is, Lucas? I'm looking into it uh, right now. <laughs> yeah, it's essentially um, you just walk off a plank like 60 floors up on top of a building. <laughs> right. And it's, Death yeah. Simulator 2020. <laughs> yeah, pretty oh, much. Sick. There's this other one called, uh, I don't know, it's like Epic Roller Coasters or some shit. And basically it's a roller coaster simulator. And um, mm. there's two options. One option is to play it with a helmet on, like, like an animated helmet and it basically like skews a bunch of your vision like it blocks a shitload of your peripheral vision out um, oh, yeah. and that makes the motion sickness like way less bad because you can only really see what's in front of you but then you can play what's called extreme mode where that <laughs> where that helmet is not on you and it just makes you so fucking motion sick man to like be in this roller coaster oh jesus even though the graphics are just terrible it, <laughs> for some reason just like I don't know, it compels your brain into feeling and thinking like it's so real. I'm just trying to remember what, at, at uni, my, my tutor for my project was doing um, some research with virtual reality, and then I had to do one of, uh, I did one of his experiments, um, and there was some project he was working on, which was like the effects of artificially lengthening and shortening your arms in virtual reality. <laughs> right. Uh, it just sounds... <laughs> insane yeah well i mean that's the thing is like in virtual reality you would think like yeah if you just play yourself a video directly into your eyes that like shortening your arm and lengthening your arm probably wouldn't have that much effect You'd, your brain would just be like oh it's a video it's not real yeah it's but, like oh that's that's fine that's my arm you know <laughs> right, <laughs> Even right. It's, it's five meters long you just adjust straight away like, yeah oh, exactly cool. Yeah, your brain just goes like, yeah, that's, it seems fine. That's like how it, it is now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy. Like if you just play the, a video that closely to your eyes and just fill your entire peripheral vision with it, your brain just goes like, well, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> so this dumb, is how but, it's always been. Right, right. But if you just separate yourself from the video by like a meter, like we do with screens and shit like that, your brain's like, oh, it's just a video. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> And that like, doesn't, real. I wonder, because um, I, I feel like I watched, uh, so I went to this uh, conference in India like two years ago and some guy was talking about VR there and he said that one of the first times um, there was like a screening of this video in a, in a theater and the screening was of a train, like a video of a train driving towards the camera and they played it on a huge screen in a theater and like everyone in the theater like jumped out of the way of the, <laughs> of the screen because they thought the train was going to like come out of the screen or whatever. Um, yeah. So I think like maybe it's just an evolution thing too, right? Like we've evolved to, to know like, oh, that's on the screen. That's fine. After but, a while, you'll just be like, you, you'll just see things with your eyes in general and be like, oh, that's not real. <laughs> yeah, it's like just made up. augmented realities and stuff like that. Yeah. <clears throat> Don't Teslas have some shit like that on it? Like where they have a camera on the back which can like augment reality whilst you're backing up or something? I heard some stuff about Elon Musk tweeting about playing Minecraft in your car, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> the essentials. Didn't sound very safe. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, fuck yeah, Elon's been getting a bit of pushback too because apparently he just keeps saying he's just going to reopen the Tesla factory instead of doing work from home shit. Oh, yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, no, Elon, you crazy cunt. Not again. <laughs> and then inversely, um, I think 
Twitter has sort of taken the other approach. They, they've just told their employees that they can work from home forever if they want. Wow. Oh, shit. Which is sick because, I mean, I, I think that's it's an interesting time for tech, right? Because what we've basically realized through this is is um, almost all tech doesn't have to be, have a workplace. Like it totally works yeah, doing yeah, work from home. It's like, wow, this really isn't that different. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they um, finally learned which email, uh, which meetings could be emails. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking that. <laughs> right. Um, so I want to talk about your uni project. You you said you went to uni, and, and I know that you went to uni for not music, but computer programming, right? Yeah. Um, and your program, yeah, sorry, your, your um, main project there was, was dealing with sensors as instruments or controllers for basically Ableton, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so the, the project I was doing, um, was using body sway. So I had some, um, I'm trying to remember what library I used. I think it was open connect, uh, which basically reduces what the connect sees of the body down to a couple of joints. And then I was mapping body sway. So like the top of your spine, how it moves to audio effects on a piano. And that was that, that was like a sort of prototype because I wanted to do something really simple that just uses a really like easy to to do uh, vector of motion. So, you know, when you're playing the piano, you're not really thinking that hard about how your body is swaying. So I wanted to use something that doesn't just take over your brain while you're trying to play music. Um, and then over, over the summer, I've been working on... Do, changing that to using hand gesture instead, um, which is like, it's much better. Obviously it's much better for me because for, for, you know, performing and that kind of thing, but that's then using like your whole brain. So your instruments are your hands instead of it being like something which you're not consciously thinking about while you're playing your instrument. So yeah, just been kind of extending that project. Nice. So you're still working on it. Yeah, on and off. I um, I've moved back home during all of the coronavirus stuff during lockdown, um, and it means that I, I left my Connect at my my flat, so that's kind of on hold at the moment. Right. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been working on, and just finding sort of new ways to to use sensors. Nice. Um, what what made you want to study computer science instead of like music or something like that? It's I mean, obviously, it sounds like you've studied music. Your music sounds really good, but um, Thank you. yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, what, what what was it that you think made you sort of choose that over music? I really, when I was deciding like what to do, it was kind of before music was even that much of a, an option for me because it was just sort of the, the hobby I did on the side, mm. um, and I was really interested in in maths at school. Like maths was just the thing for me and I kind of got into programming because my my dad works in software as well and I just thought like wow this is this is applied maths almost this is like using maths to to make a computer do things right right um so that's really what got me into um into software mm. and nice. studying that at uni yeah nice yeah I've just started kind of dabbling and uh, a little bit in programming mostly because like I started dating a programmer and then I moved to San Francisco yeah. so basically everyone I know now is a programmer so <laughs> I think just by like hanging out with them a little bit I've kind of like picked a few things up but yes yeah, it's, it's fucking it's, complicated it's weird it's like it's either like just really easy or it's utterly impossible <laughs> like you <laughs> you just you you hit like a problem and then you're like oh my god how am I how am I ever gonna solve this and then you solve it and then it's like the rest of it. Oh, this is really easy until you encounter something else. Mm. So it's sort of like, it's a bit like music, I think, because it's kind of, it, there's a payoff to, to doing some work. You get a bit of like dopamine <laughs> from solving something and then right, you encounter yeah. the next problem. Yeah, totally. Um, <clears throat> what languages are you using? Uh, I mainly work with Java. Um, okay. But I've, I've done things like Python, C, C Sharp at uni. And okay. where I work, I actually I have, have to use ZOS and COBOL, okay, which are really old. <laughs> Damn. <clears throat> um, 
Yeah, I think if I was going to learn something, I'd probably get into Java or Python. Yeah, Java's Java's pretty standard. Um, Mm -hmm. There's something which I use for animations a lot called processing, which I really recommend because, like, for for a tiny like tiny portion of the reason for using processing is that it's really easy to set up, and the rest of the the reasons are all Daniel Schiffman, who does just amazing tutorials on everything. Yeah, that's the other thing, right? It's like getting into music. Um, like if you want to learn Ableton, right? There's so many good options for teachers. And there's a lot of teachers who don't assume that you know a bunch of shit. And they're like yeah. able to teach the stuff like to just there's so many because there's such a reward, right? For making the perfect beginner Ableton tutorial. And that reward is you'll get fucking half a million views. And yeah, you'll get known in the educator scene as like this guy who made like that video who like <clears throat> broke the learning curve for half of the industry and whatnot. Yeah. So, um, but, but it seems like with programming, there's just so many videos where like the person on the other end teaching you is just like, so absent to the fact that you might not have done this at all before and they're just like they're just like oh yeah i'm assuming you know like all this shit and then you try and i've tried to watch so many coding tutorials and learn shit from it i'm just like man this fucking guy has no empathy for somebody like yeah yeah (laughs) and the 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 classic thing as well is like um to to start this tutorial i'm using this this and this library and you can download my code from here and all of them are dead links (laughs) (laughs) right yeah yeah (laughs) the classic move um cool so like uh what are you what are you doing at the moment then like in in the way of programming are you actually sort of working on any software or i basically decided after to watching some of these live streams that my new thing that i'm gonna challenge myself to do is making um like an animated uh stream of Mm -hmm. a whole load of music Mm. and i've been for some reason, instead of deciding to do it with any of the programs available, like Blender, I decided to make all of the animation myself in processing, uh-huh. um, just like writing it all in Java. And so far, that's been going well, but very, very slowly. Mm-hmm. I just I like finding things which are just utterly defeat me for for a couple <laughs> of weeks. Mm. I've also been working on, I've revamped this optical flow tool, which I made in Ableton. Um, and that's basically like a, a sort of light version of the thing that I've been working on with the Connect that just works with the webcam. Right. But it uses, instead of using like actual sensing to see where a hand is or where your body is, uh, it uses velocity tracking. Um, which is basically just looking at the difference between each frame, um, which makes it way, way faster to use. But it's it's a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit unpredictable. So I've been kind of using that just when I need some like weird, unpredictable mu- movement in a bass. I'll just whack that on. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, and with the thing that you're building for streams, uh, are you kind of like borrowing libraries from GitHub and all of that kind of stuff and sort of compiling them all together into a build or are you, are you sort of writing it all from scratch or? That, um, if I was like, if I was not an idiot, I would be using lots of libraries, but <laughs> I've been just writing tons of shit. <laughs> right. Just, and just to like clarify what that means, I guess, for people listening who aren't, um, oh, sort of who don't know a lot about programming, um, you can kind of liken this to if you were writing a tune in Ableton and I said, are you using like Cymatics drums and like, you know, other plugins that already exist to make your tune or are you developing all the plugins from scratch and are you making all of the kicks and snares and everything from scratch, right? Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say, because that sounds like a music produ- pr- bleh, it sounds like a music producer sort of decision. Right, I'd, yeah, I'd, exactly. I'd actually go further than that and I'd say like, it, the, the contrast is even dumber. It's like, are you using this software that someone has made for you to use <laughs> for free to make music in? They've done hours of research and development to make this great, and they are giving it to you. Or are you going to record things on your phone and like just record them back and layer them all <laughs> up? <laughs> right. Yeah. Please use libraries. They're great. <laughs> yeah. So when I first started looking into programming or or, or rather when i just like sort of seen a lot of my friends who are around me at the moment doing it um i kind of thought it was cheap because i was like oh man you're just like taking this thing 
putting it in your own, like cloning the repository or whatever, changing like two things and then calling it a day. And I'm like, yeah. why don't you like develop the, your own thing, you know, and, and whatever. But yeah, the more I like have learned and the more I've sort of saw um, what, what a lot of people do in programming, I realize how, how dumb of a thought that is and how much it is kind of like the goat farming meme in, in production. Yeah, man, the, there was, I, I was writing something that opens um, Ableton project files because the, the .als file is just um, a, a zipped XML file, which just has basically a big list of everything in your project. And I wrote something um, which basically just opens that into a data format that you can deal with in Java. Mm -hmm. I spent ages doing that, trying to get it right. Um, and then after about a week, I just thought, I wonder if anyone else has done that. And there's like 10 of them that just do it straight <laughs> away for you. Yeah. It keeps like giving you for free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so it's a Ableton, like a .als. It's basically a GNU zip file, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And then, yeah, you can unzip it and then that becomes an XML. And then when you open it, yeah, it's essentially just a bunch of numbers that say like, you know, this is where this kick drum that's being referenced from here on your hard drive needs to go on the timeline on what channel and whatnot. And yeah, same with exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but what's really cool about that is that you can basically, if, you, if you're like me and you don't like, I don't know, really dumb things like every track has to be the right color and the track name's got to match the, the audio file name, um, it would actually be doable to write something that goes through and changes the XML to fix all that for you. Yeah, Ooh. that was something I was planning on doing, but I I just never quite got around to it. That is something that I would need. Yeah, it so, would be so nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's like project file organizer. Right. Oh. Yeah. So my girlfriend used this technology to do something pretty cool. She um, so I had an Ableton set right, and in my Ableton set, I had a bunch of clips of tracks that I would play. And then in each of these clips, I had um, warp markers where the drop was. So usually what I do when I'm like preparing a track in Ableton to play mm. is I'll throw in the WAV file and I'll sort of just like uh, click where the drop is and hit control I just to put a warp marker there just so I can kind of visually see where it is. And then I'll I sort of... know you could do that. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah. You can just create warp, warp markers wherever you want with control I. So um, mm -hmm. then I would put another one like 16 bars before and then eight bars before. And then I would also put one right where the breakdown is. So I'd basically have a clip that has four warp markers in it, um, two of which happen before the drop, one that happens on the drop and one that happens on the breakdown. And then I'd copy that into my um, uh, session view, like clip view. And it would just really easily allow me to like open a clip while I'm playing live and not have to think too hard about it and just move my playhead to like either eight bars before or 16 bars before. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just like queuing up in record box. So exactly, exactly. Nice. And and so what my girlfriend Jan did is she built me a tool that was able to look in the XML file for where those uh, warp marker cue points were and then convert them to a record box XML file and apply oh, them shit. to the same wave files in record box. So I didn't have to go through and warp nice. and like add cue points to like thousands of tracks. Oh. I was able to just take my Ableton set, pull the information that I'd already done from that and apply it to <laughs> record box. Oh man, that's sick. You can actually hear in like both of our voices how much we don't like putting in the the um key markers in in record box dude like, no yeah. no nobody does everybody thinks that that's like the worst fucking possible thing but yeah, yeah. anyway um yeah if you that's go really to, cool yeah so if you go to yarn's um youtube page it's just youtube.com forward slash yarn xz uh both of those she has videos for the that tool and um you can easily download her library and do it cool i'll have a look at that yeah but yeah, that that was one of the things that made me realize like, fuck, I got to get into programming. Another thing was um, like I've been running a sample pack company for a while now called Beleagle Sounds. And I've mm -hmm. also obviously been making my own samples for a long ass time. And every time I make a giant folder of samples, I'm like, great, now I have to name this, <laughs> like name all these yeah. samples, right? And that's another thing that, that um, programming can be really good for is taking a folder of files and just renaming them like for you. Yeah, just, just fixing stuff. Yeah. You're like doing batch actions to files that are just a pain in the ass to do by hand. Yeah, there, there needs to be some easier way. Like, it would be lovely if it was built into operating systems where you just say, like, this thing I've done for this file, do for all of them. Mm. Um, but 
but also do it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's just a little button that says, yeah. uh, would, you, would you like to do this right? I wonder why no one's thought of just doing things correctly. <laughs> um, so I had a buddy yesterday who was helping me with some Go programming stuff too. Um, oh, Go program, nice. <laughs> uh, so what we what I had this idea for a YouTube video to go into my Discord server and go into the hashtag sound design channel. And mm-hmm. this channel has, has existed for like, I don't know, about two years at this point. And I thought, man, it would be really cool if I could just download all the WAV files and all the MP3 files and all the FLAC files and all the AIF files in this channel, put them into a folder, and then I'll make a YouTube video called like, I went into my Discord server, got all the fucking random bits of sound design out of this channel and made a tune out of it using nothing but nice. that. Um, so I was like, fuck, I could download all this by hand, but that's probably going to take me all day. Or I could maybe see if there's like a library somewhere that Mm -hmm. can do this for me. So I found this open source, uh, project on GitHub called discord image downloader. And I was able to like, just copy the channel ID, apply it to any channel in discord. And it would just like spit all the image files out to, um, to a folder on my desktop and, then I couldn't figure out how to adjust the code because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But I gave it to my friend and he literally changed like one thing in the yeah. in the file and it was able to then just like download all the audio, which was really sick. That, that is, that's cool. I'll have to think how it's doing that in Go. Um, I, I know some people use Go where I work at the moment. Yeah, so this um, dude in my Discord server who I asked, I was, I was like, fuck, do I know anyone who, who uses Go? And then I remembered a buddy in my Discord server works at Google so I asked mm-hmm. him and I was like, hey, he you would use, know. Yeah, I was like, do you, do you use Go? And he was like, oh, yeah, I was actually on the team that developed Go. And I was like, sick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Easy peasy. Um, yeah, man. So fuck yeah, programming is so sick, honestly. I can understand like why why you're into it. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. The uni course went into some, some weird stuff as well, which was quite nice because... Um, it's quite a, it came from the maths department um so a lot of it was maths so there's a quite a bit of stuff like um lambda calculus and all of that which i really don't want to talk about because i really can't remember much of it <laughs> right yeah maths uh, is something that i always sucked at at high school and honestly like i i will say i think i could have been good at maths if i had had a better teacher and the all the teachers that i had through high school that were maths teachers were all indians with like really thick indian accents and i just right. could not for the life of me like understand what they were saying oh, no. for, for like most <laughs> most of the time and and it, that was like a unanimous thing that like all of everyone in the class thought they're yeah. all like yeah this, these people are like not understandable really it's really difficult to learn from them so mm. i think like yeah, that good kind teacher of, is everything Totally, yeah. I think if, if I had way better teachers at high school for that shit, I would have probably been good at it. But yeah, maths is cool, man. I, I watch uh, this YouTube channel a lot called Numberphile. Have you ever watched yes. that channel? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I have, I have Numberphile on and 3Blue on Brown is also mm. really good. Man, um, three just blue. on in the background. Oh, uh, yeah, that's sick. Yeah, 3Blue on Brown has a great video on FFT, which um, yep. I yep. found really With interesting. With a little like, stencil drawing thing yeah yeah for anyone who doesn't understand how fft works that one was the one that kind of like cracked it for me wait i just got a a, a pop-up message oh, from zoom yeah, I saw that as well. saying a gift from zoom running out of time we've removed the 40 minute time limit on your group meeting all right <laughs> i'm gonna say love running it. out of time look again <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like a, thanks for <laughs> breaking my train of thought you fucking assholes <laughs> um cool man uh you want to talk about music for a while yeah, yeah. sure cool uh, uh, let's talk about record box actually because we we're just chatting about that um so i know that neither of you have really played that many shows um i kind of want to talk about like your your both of your relationship with shows because i i mean i think the music that you play uh, that you write um at least in america i hear getting rinsed at shows um, All right. And nice. I mean, I think if you guys were to tour really hard, not that you can do that right now, but if you <laughs> were to do that, if it were possible, I think you'd crush it. So, uh, but I understand that you also are both sort of apprehensive a little bit to, to the whole show thing, right? No, right. I'm the opposite. I really want to do shows. Okay. So I've, I have seen recordings of me playing the one gig that I did, and I've seen <laughs> recordings of Lucas playing his gig. And he looks so much more like into it, like way better. 
Right. Um, yeah. So like what, what was the gigs that you both played? So you've only both played one show each. Uh, yeah, I've played one. Yeah, I did. Uh, the only international one I've done is, uh, was in Eindhoven in, uh, uh, Holland. Right. Interesting. And that's, so you, so you've both just played out once. Yeah. Well, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Uh, and how did you get the, both of those shows? Uh, it was through my booking agent. Nice. Okay, cool. I'm on, I'm on the maximum boost. <laughs> nice. Dude, fucking booking agents right now are having the worst time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Like 100% of their income comes from live shows. And yeah. That's, that's just, brutal. Yeah, the music industry has like experienced such a huge amount of trauma, I think, from this that it's not like we're going to get to the end of the quarantine, like let's say July, and shows are just going to instantly start again, right? No way, no. Yeah. Because That's there's been be. such trauma incurred through this whole thing. I think that what's going to have to happen is obviously a vaccine is going to have to exist. And, and some people are, I mean, Donald Trump is saying January 2021. And if he's saying that, then that probably means at least July 2021. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's going to be at least until then, which means a lot of booking agents are going to have to find new lines of work to support themselves, which means coming out the other end of this thing, there's going to be fuck all booking agents. <laughs> yeah. And people are always going to be thinking, like, what if it happens again? Mm. There's, right. there's always going to be a bit of risk management going on. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Bill Gates seemed to be pretty on the ball with that, right? He was like, this shit's for sure going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we should, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I guess like, let's say, assuming shows were a possibility and they weren't completely off the table for at least the next 12 months, um right what yeah where do you guys sort of stand on on that side of things i'd love to do shows <laughs> right. yeah I, I'd, I'd like to do some more shows yeah i think you guys would be good at it i mean you write really show uh conducive music oh cheers man i mean Thank i've you. always wanted to be on a stage i think since i was little mm, for so sure. uh, yeah <laughs> um and i didn't i didn't expect to like really doing gigs and i did really enjoy the one that i i did that was that mm. was a lot of fun but i like probably about 20 30 percent of the people there were people who i knew so <laughs> it, was, it was quite a safe environment oh yeah i was fucking like the first let's say like the first five minutes of my gig i was fucking shitting myself <laughs> oh. Like at first, I couldn't even get the tracks going. So like oh a, no! There was a, yeah, there was like a solid minute of just silence. Oh man, I just I thought of something from from my gig, which was that because uh, I'm I'm like definitely a, a practicer, so I got the the like my idea for what I was doing for the set so sound in my head, mm. and I'd color coded all of the the cue points in record box oh yeah exactly. i went through and i colored each of them with like where i wanted them to where i wanted to start all of that yeah um and i got to the cdjs about maybe three hours early just to mm. see you know just to see what it's like playing with them because i hadn't even seen a cdj before then <laughs> i plug in the memory stick i load in a track the cue points are all red yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. So that, that like, obviously, that doesn't sound like that big a deal, but it threw me off, and I was like, oh, no. So I had three hours of just thinking, like, oh, I'm going to die. And then I got up there, and I realized that I could actually remember which one of them was which color, because I'd looked at it for so long. But, yeah, no, I'm pretty far from just, like, coming up with things on the fly. Right. Yeah, once you've been doing uh, DJing for a long time, you sort of start to build up, like, you kind of have been in like every shitty situation that's possible to be in and you kind yeah. of just learn how to sort of m mitigate most of them or get around most of them. Um, like I'll give you an example. One day I walked into a club in Denver called Beta and it's like one of the, it, at the time was one of the biggest clubs in Denver. It's currently shut down. Um, right. Well, it was actually shut down before coronavirus, but now it's double <laughs> shut down. Oh, um, it's back open. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I walked in there and all of the cue buttons were literally smashed. So like you couldn't oh. even like press play on the thing. 
like what? not with you couldn't press play with the Q button. You can press play with the play button, but obviously, right. like if you press play, then you also have to press pause, and then you have to like yeah. spin it back and then press play again. So Jesus. that was like not going to work. So what yeah. I did, what I had to do is like you know how um if you press down on the platter on the top of the CDJ, it stops the music. Yeah. So yeah, I had yeah. to sort of just like uh, spin to where the cue point was, put my <laughs> finger on top of the platter, and then press the play button. So it was playing, but my finger was on it holding it as stop uh, and then right when oh i wanted God. to yeah right oh, when i wanted to let the the music play let my finger yeah. off the platter oh man that's clever i'm writing that big, down big brain. <laughs> yeah so galaxy brain i think that was like the worst i'd ever experienced where i had to do that for an entire set yeah. um and then there's other times like all the fucking time there's like dead channels on the mixer and then you're having to use like the um the input knobs uh at the top to sort of like toggle between inputs constantly to like get the right CDJs on the right channels and stuff like oh, that. Oh, man. You that sounds horrible. The guy says, where is your vinyl? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I, th- I think um, like almost at every show, there's something like that, right? It's, like you just said, you, you show up and the cue points are a different color or something like that, or you show up and yeah. like one of the most of the USB slots aren't working and there's just like one that works, but the Ethernet cable isn't plugged in, so it's fucking impossible <laughs> to like, play one tune at a time. Right, right, yeah. Well, that's yeah, yeah. Another another thing I would suggest is um, copy making like three or four copies of the exact same USB stick for when that shit happens. Yeah, yeah. of course. I don't know. Eventually, you've dealt with like all of the problems and you're like prepared for most of them. Yeah, like I had loads of loads of things were fucking up when I was doing my gig. Like uh, that's normal. At first, I couldn't even find my fucking files, but I think that was just me being dumb. But then I couldn't get the link going, and then the tempo fader wasn't working on one of the CDJs. Oh my mm. god! <laughs> yeah, but I managed to botch like one transition, I think. Mm. Nice. And, and it wasn't even that bad. It was just like one of the tracks came in like a bar late or something. Big oh, yeah. botch, which I can remember from my set, wasn't actually playing. It was the fact that I brought my hard disk with me in case <laughs> I needed to change anything on the CDJs last minute because I was yeah. feeling a little bit neurotic and <laughs> I fucking trod on it. <laughs> and that, yeah, was that the one you fucking beat with the contains the only copy of one of the project files for our album. Yeah, oh man. <laughs> Oh wait! So, so you lost the project file? Yeah, we still. I still have the disc, and I. I might. I'm gonna go and see if I can get it recovered, but it might be a bit of a long shot. I want that project. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why? Why? Uh, why was it not backed up on like Dropbox or something? Well, yeah, exactly. Because everything else was. <laughs> it's just a mystery why that one, but it, like the one that we'd made loads of progress on as well. Yeah. Damn, that's a shame. Um, yeah, you, so you guys have been working on an album now for shit, like three years, right? I think almost four years now. Yeah. Actually, if I, th- yeah, must, we started Wonder in February, didn't we? When, when we, we first collabed on it. So yeah, it's four years, yeah. shit. Jesus. Damn. We need oh, to no. fucking finish it. <laughs> we need to get it done and release yes, it. Yes, we do need to get it done. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, Plus. we've been making steady progress on the tracks. Yeah, mm. I don't think we know when to stop. Yeah, that's right. the thing. Because there are bits of it where I listen to it and I think that is finished. There's no way more yeah. work on that is going to make it better. And then Lucas has a session on it and I'm thinking, like, oh, God, we've got to change everything else now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, like the the Drop Tech collab. Yeah. I think we're all three of us, I think we thought it was finished, but then I was like, Man, there's something that's not right with it. I had yeah. a session with it, and now we've got like redo it all over, basically. Yeah, mm. yeah. I've had that experience with a lot of tracks before as well, where you sort of like think a thing's done, do one session on one section, make that section way better, and then every other section sort of in compa- comparison to it sounds kind of shitty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but in yeah. some senses, it's kind of like if you make that one section super fucking good, and the song surrounding it is not quite as good. That can be cool too, right? Because then that section is contrasted and it's like way better than the other sections or yeah. whatever. Whereas if you yeah. make the entire track that good, it's almost like the entire track then becomes a bit grey because it's like yeah. if everything is amazing and sick, then nothing is amazing and sick. Yeah, it gets a bit oversaturated. I'm going to say that my my last EP is the good music that I've released. I'm going to release everything else in a really shit state. 
and then the contrast <laughs> will make it even better. Right, people looking back at your discography yeah. or whatever. I mean, dude, some some artists are like that. Like you can look back at uh, I won't like mention names, but like you can look back at some artists' discographies and then be like, man, all that shit from like '96 to '97 was amazing. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's some people where it's like, you know, I respect their rights to make the, the changes that they have fully, but I like that stuff, the older stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not sure I get the new bits. When did you guys start making music together? Well, that was uh, since we started the album, basically. Well, we didn't know that we were starting an album when we started that one. Yeah, we're like, so, let's make a team. Yeah. And four years later... <laughs> Still not finished. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's like the least finished one on the album as well. Yeah, and it's like the epitome of what we just talked about, because we keep making each of the different sections better, and then all the other sections are not quite good enough. Mm. It's like th- now the intro is like a lot better than <laughs> what the first drop is. I actually think no, because we've um, like obviously we've had about four years of just making music since then, and yeah. now when we work on things together, like uh, catastrophe, that's mm. done in like a week. Yeah, exactly. Like that, that, it's much quicker to make new things, and we're almost oh, absolutely like resurrecting this this project each time. Yeah, mm. and it takes long. I mean. Because like, it takes longer to make an old track better than it takes to make a new one equally as good, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because then you like, have is? to decide what to take out and what to replace and yada yada. Mm. There's like more decisions to make on an old one than there is on a new one. Yeah, and like, yeah, exactly. But there's, there's also things where I listen back to it and I think, what could possibly be wrong with this? Oh, it's because back then I thought you needed over 10 layers of cymbals and like <laughs> yeah. reverb on just all of the bass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, now I've got to fix that somehow. Yeah, because mm. it's like, imagine all of, the, all of the little like tips and tricks that you've picked up over the last like few years. Yeah, right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah like, you kind of eventually whittle your process down into like sort of an exact simple science that works, right? Exactly. Like I, I notice like if I open an old project, I'm like, fuck, wow, I used to think putting a sidechain compressor on every single channel was a good idea. Now I'm just like, <laughs> fuck it, I'll just throw everything into a group and put a MIDI triggered sidechain on the group, you know, like, and that's yeah. way, way simpler Ooh. to deal with. Lucas didn't know about that one. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> They're all going to have me. their own side chains, so they they respond differently. Uh, well, no. Nah, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, the, I mean, the funny thing is, is that like we actually encountered a problem where doing that was the solution. I think we did. I think there was something in Wonder where we found that like one of the sounds didn't sound right with the side chain on all of the other bases. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Hmm, so you had to like side chain each channel separately. Yeah, yeah, that kind I of think thing. We did. Do you guys mostly do MIDI triggered sidechain or uh, do you use, Not the, at all. you use the Live 8 compressor or whatever? Yeah, I use the Live 8 compressor and yeah, then just have it like a l- short little sh- like millisecond long snippet of a sound that triggers it. Uh, right, if like I remember little... right, it's a vengeance perk, isn't it? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's really like fucking short. Golden sidechain vengeance <laughs> perk. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, let me find it. It's, um, it's not the pocket v- from 2Discover, is it? No, <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> Uh, it's VEE3 percussion or two. Okay, nice. <laughs> so that's, yeah. So if anyone's looking for the perfect sidechain input, that's yeah, that's the one. The one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usually I just uh, create an opera. If I, like, I don't do sidechaining with compressors anymore, it's all with volume triggered envelopes. But um, if I ever did, it was always just like an op- like operator with like a really short white noise trigger or something. Yeah, oh, right. I, I'd bounce out a white noise trigger and then every single time I do collect all and save the project, it duplicates the audio file of the little white noise trigger. So if I search <laughs> for ghost on my machine, it's like <laughs> ghost kit, ghost snare, ghost kit, ghost snare <laughs> for about maybe two pages <laughs> of just those, loads of those. Right. It's like searching for control f and then typing the word freeze or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> um how do you guys go about collaborating online like what's the what's your process there uh we re- recently got into splice using that yeah oh, cool. I, i'd say the, the experience with splice has been positive overall because we we got a bit of a sort of creative boost from just being able to swap the projects really quickly mm. yeah without um, having to like 
collect and save and zip and down and we transfer them and stuff like and that. And definitely not having to send freeze files separately or anything <laughs> like that, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work, but when it when it does, it's good. I'd say it's, it's very different from GitHub because it's, um, it's kind of like you just save the projects and then the idea is that that is just put into Splice straight away. Um, hey, hold on. Can I, let let yeah, me go there with this dog. <laughs> just hear like a shotgun sound or something. <laughs> hey, Lucas, now that Bill's gone, what can we sneak into the Mr. Bill podcast while he's not listening? <laughs> it's, an, it's an edited podcast, so I can oh. just tell him. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, let's, let, let's do a retake on the uh, what is uh, Splice version control. Uh, well, I mean, I understand what version con control is to some degree, and I kind of understand how GitHub works a little bit. And yeah. I think like Splice was kind of, in it's, a way, like similar. supposed to be, yeah, it was supposed to be kind of like GitHub for music producers. Uh, I think but the idea is a bit like you you save your projects, and then it, in the backgrounds will upload that. Uh, yeah. Or I think you can kind of commit it manually, something like that. Um, but the idea is basically that I will, you know, I'll do something, I'll save it, and then Lucas can straight away, as soon as that's uploaded, access the project. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of like faster, automatic version of chucking it on WeTransfer or something. Yeah, or having it on Dropbox. Yeah. Well, isn't it sort of similar to Dropbox in that way, where it kind of just uploads like all the new shit you've done? Yeah. Yeah, but I've um, uh, I've tried that in the past, and it usually like there's loads of like conflicting copies and stuff like that. Splice yeah. just works, so it's a lot more streamlined, I, I guess. I actually yeah. wondered about using Git because I don't think there's anything to stop you just committing an Ableton project file to a Git repo. But I, I think it might be that there's a, a limit on the size. I can't remember exactly. So I had I had a friend do this before with ALSs. Um, and I think he he had some sort of shit which was like doing the thing where it like unzip to an XML and then rezip back to an ALS or whatever. Oh and right, okay. He had some setup where it would work through Git, and I can't remember exactly how it worked, but he he did get it working. But at the time, I was like way too dumb to understand. <laughs> Git's hard, man. Git Git is <laughs> no one. Uh, like you either understand Git and you understand everything about it, or you uh, you just don't, and then they can't comprehend what you don't understand about this really simple thing. But I think the way it's named makes it really confusing. Like calling things branches, like a branch on a tree doesn't merge back into the tree ever. Right, right. <laughs> so no, I don't know about that actually. Putting it well, not. It doesn't normally. <laughs> no, no. Normally, they, they just kind of yeah. go out and sort of do their own thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I, I literally just learned a shitload of stuff about Git last night because my friend who um who made the, the Go thing, yeah. uh, he, he made a tutorial specifically for me, and then I edited the tutorial for him because basically I was like, what would be really cool is when I make my YouTube video about making the, the song with all the sounds out of my sound design channel, um, I would like it if I could like share to a video of you being like this is how i achieved getting all those sounds off the discord server using this uh this git repository and, and what i changed yeah. in the code and whatnot so he sent me all the files i needed to edit a nice video for him so i basically spent like four or five hours last night editing this video for him in resolve so i, I heard the information back oh, nice. like like 60 times or something whilst yeah. editing um that's a good um, way of learning it it honestly is. I, I was whilst doing it, I was like, fuck, maybe this is like the way I should learn. I should just become a video editor for like Khan Academy or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I learned about cloning. So like taking a repository yeah. and copying it into a, your own repository so you can do edits. I learned about uh, what else? I learned what a repository is, which is basically like, you know, all the shit that exists in an open source project or whatever. I learned, learned about forking. The worst stage of a project to use Git with is when you're you've just got like three files or something, and you've uploaded them to Git, and then there's some kind of problem, and you're like, "It's not worth <laughs> me solving this. I'll just delete the repo, I'll start over." So you can get caught in a loop with that so easily. Oh, like what is that similar to in the world of Ableton for somebody who only understands Ableton like me? Oh, uh, I don't, I don't know if there's a way of of putting it. It's just like when you um. You first start out 
it's really difficult. It's quite difficult to set up. And then if something goes wrong, it's like, oh, I'll just start over instead of trying to fix it. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I do. I, I have had that, that experience with a lot of software. Like, uh, yeah, when I'm starting out with Blender or something, it's like you, you make some like test file or something just to fuck around. Blender cube. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> the little uh, <laughs> monkey Suzanne. And then you... <laughs> And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, there was like a way better way to structure these files on my computer and shit. And then you like delete everything. And Yeah, I've been trying to learn Blender to do the compositing of, of all of the stuff that's coming out of processing, like the Blender mm. video editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's really good. I really didn't expect it to be as good at being a video editor on top of all the animation stuff. Oh, dude, Blender is so sick. And like that it's free, man. It's so crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. Dude, the- this is one thing that I think is like so cool about the the uh, software like programmers community is that all, there's so much shit that's just open source and like if you look what that's done for tech, tech is like the hugest fucking thing right now. Yeah, and every everyone in it is like winning and making a shitload of money and whatnot. Um, and if you look at like the the sort of opposite thing, like music, where people are a little bit like, oh, I don't want to share my information; these are my tricks and whatnot it kind of like almost stunts the growth of that industry a little bit. Yeah, I guess. I'm trying to think of anyone that I've met that's actually been secretive. Uh, like in music? Yeah. I feel like a lot of drum and bass guys are. It's always the drum and bass people. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I'm trying to, because I know a lot of people, I know there are people out there that are like that, but I just, I think I've managed to avoid a lot of them. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's one thing like share tricks with people when you meet them, like sharing things you've discovered with your mates. But when it comes to like showing your tricks to the entire like music industry, right? I think yeah. so. So one thing a lot of people seem to do in software is they're like, "Hey, I just spent like fucking three weeks like solving this problem. Here, I'm just going to upload it to Git for free." Whereas yeah. like people in music are like, "I just spent three weeks, uh, you know, learning a new trick or." making a new tune or making a sample pack, I'm going to chuck it up for money. You know, like they yeah, don't, a yeah. lot of the time they don't just chuck it up for free, open source, say anyone can use it without even crediting them. Like there's, you know, so many, uh, it's not quite the same as it is in software yeah, where people I, just, I agree. Yeah. And I think hmm. like because of that mentality in software where people are like, and, and I think a big part of it comes from like software developers not wanting to do bug reports and shit like that. So they're kind of like, fuck it, I'm just going to put this out for free and therefore I'm not like uh, obliged to answer anyone's emails if they can't get this oh, shit working. Oh man, uh, that's, that's a big thing. I've been thinking that with this because um, I was thinking of putting out my optical flow control and I was thinking this this works on one computer but it doesn't work on my other computer. Are other people going to find that and then they're going to be like, I'm going to have loads of messages saying, how do I fix this? I, I, right. I've got to figure out how, how to get it working on everything. Yeah, it sounds like right now you've got a 50-50 chance of it working. And if you yeah, yeah. get a 1,000 downloads, you're going to get 500 emails. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm um, having a hard time keeping up with one email. Yeah, so in that, in that sense, I think like that's why software and tech in general has, has grown so big. And I think we're sort of starting to see that with music now. Like I think you're right, more people now than ever have been comfortable sharing their information and uploading tutorials and uploading sample packs and you know releasing free shit and trying to help the community out in general because i think more people are sorting sort of starting to understand this premise of that like the more you put into electronic music the better the whole thing becomes for everyone i mean there's that but i mean a lot of people are forced to do shit like that now because they can't earn any money like doing shows right but i mean like that that's a recent development so like yeah 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 yeah, I mean, we can easily remember that, you know, the two months ago, it wasn't that different, really. I mean, apart from the show thing. <clears throat> but yeah, I have yeah. noticed a lot of people who uh, never streamed in their life instantly are like, fuck, I love Twitch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is sick, because I mean, I think we're going to come out the other end of this um, with the awareness of streaming much higher than it was going into it. And for someone like me who streams a lot, that's fucking awesome. I think streaming is quite, quite hard to get right, because it I don't know. I get the feeling people would find it boring if it's not involving them in some way. Yeah. Like yeah. just mm. just watching some. Like I, even I find this just like watching someone produce, even if they're doing things which I think are really interesting. Like how do they do that? Um, 
I just I still find that not that engaging. I, I'm sort of using like half my brain watching it. Well, it de- <laughs> depends on the streamer, but if you get someone who's really good at it, who like is very attentive to the chat and they have like a really nice stream overlay that looks super pro and like on stream, they're offering the chat to like uh, participate in like challenges and stuff like that. For instance, um, Musa has a really cool stream where he's like, I'll create a loop. And then I'll upload that loop to the chat. Everyone downloads it. And then everybody sort of builds on top of that loop. So you put this like eight bar loop in Ableton and then you build whatever you want on top of it. And then you mute the original loop that he uploaded, render everything else out and send it back. And then... Oh, um, I actually tried something like that as an experiment with this, this collab tree thing. I don't know if you, mm. you saw that on Twitter. Uh, I just gave out some stems and I gave out some instructions with them that just says like work on this, upload the stems and then put this this instruction sheet in and then anyone can retweet that and work on it and just see how far it goes. Mm. Um, and I got some really interesting results from that actually. People did some really cool things with the tune and but I, I just wish I had more time to work on the things that people came out with because right. like, as soon as that happens, I started going into all of this other learning on um animation stuff so it was a bit like oh right yeah see doing doing stuff like that i mean it sounds like that was sort of like an infinite challenge that could have just never ended really yeah Um, yeah but like for instance the one i'm talking about with musa it's like a 20 minute challenge which means like you know if you're watching the stream for 30 minutes you can participate in this challenge see the result and then get off the stream if you want but it's like and then he does another challenge directly after that so it's kind of like a really engaging stream to watch cool um so in that sense i think if you're a good streamer and you're really good at engaging with the chat and doing interactive things like that and using the platform in that way uh then i think it can be you know pretty but just as engaging as going to a show and feeling bass in your body and hanging around with your friends right oh can anything (laughs) match that (laughs) yeah that's a good point maybe not I also think um, through this whole thing, we're going to sort of really find out what the streaming platform is and like what that medium is best for. Because I feel like yeah. streaming is still pretty new and I don't think we've really figured out like what that medium is best for. For instance, like a big sound system, right? We didn't really figure out what that was best for until recently. <laughs> and when I say recently, like, I mean, in the past 20 years, like we figured out putting it in a club and slamming bass through it is the fucking coolest thing. <laughs> like before, before that, yes. we thought playing distorted guitars through it and like laying around in a field was like the move. But yeah, you know, <laughs> or, or I don't know, like imagine the first loudspeakers, like what people would have thought like the, the main use for that was. They're like, oh, I, mean, I don't know, I guess it emits like a bunch of vibration. What if we put it in a sandpit? It's like, why does it need to be that big? Why would anyone have anything <laughs> lower than 50 hertz in a bit of music? It's just unreasonable. Right, right. Or like, yeah, yeah who, who's going to listen to this? It's like, well, large crowds of people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're going to find that with Twitch or streaming in general is, is we're going to sort of, you know, figure out a little more like what, what it is that the application of that medium is best for. Mm. yeah true um i wanted to talk about apex playing one of your songs too oh so. yes that was needle yeah how did that happen i to this day have absolutely no idea <laughs> how he could possibly have found that uh the label were as confused as i was he <laughs> played it like a couple of i think like a few weeks after it was released or something so I, I guess he was just on SoundCloud or something and found it. But, <laughs> yeah, I I still have no idea. I've never had any contact with him. But um, yeah, I was pretty flattened by that. Yeah, yeah. man, that's amazing. Thank yeah, you. it's insane. Yeah, it's so crazy. I mean, like when you think of Apex, you think like, oh yeah, he's the most like mysterious underground, like doesn't fucking pay attention to anything other than what he's doing in his studio at all kind of guy, right? But then yeah. he came out and played one of your tunes. He played one of Eprom and G. Jones's tunes. He played a, yeah. a Kebris tune, uh, rest in peace, Kebris. Mm-hmm. And he played like just fucking so much shit that i love and think is sick and i was like what so he's clearly like on the internet doing the same thing yeah yeah <laughs> I, I think people are probably more aware of of the music that's that's going on at the moment and than, than we realize like i just have this feeling people more people are listening than we think like more producers that we look up to yeah mm-hmm. absolutely like when uh, nolan met cohen sound for the first time 
Yeah, right. and he was just like, oh, they listen to everyone's stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, Like, they know all of you. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, you think that they're kind of just like, you, you want to believe that they're just in this vacuum, like, pulling inspiration out of thin air, think, like, yeah, yeah. just being, like, absolute masters at their craft or whatever. But really, they're just kind of mm. like all of us. They just don't spend a lot of time on the internet chatting about it. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, they're so nutty, man. Like, uh, what, what what festival was it that he played your tune at? Uh, it was Primavera 2017 in Spain. Because um, right. I, I, I just I remember seeing the clips coming out and thinking, like, what the hell? <laughs> also, I just love the fact that he's just standing there as well while it's playing. He's not, like, dancing about or anything. Like, I really, I really respect that. Right. <laughs> Well, I, I guess like the other way to look at it is like when, when you get that big, like where is there to go, right? It's, it's not like you can look yeah. up to bigger artists because you're the biggest artist. So it's like you kind of have to look to smaller artists for shit that they're doing. And I guess another good example of that is Bass Nectar, right? Like he, um, mm, yeah. he'll kind of like, uh, you know, he's like, fuck the hugest. I mean, in, in terms of bass music shows in America, he's probably the biggest. Yeah. Like he, every show he does is like 20, 30,000 people. Um, and like uh, quite a lot of what he's doing is bringing this like underground stuff that you a lot of those yeah. people at those shows probably would never have heard and doing edits of it and playing it out which is pretty yeah, cool yeah he played uh, to discover yes yeah, he is yeah remember that's that sick. yeah he also <laughs> played tom's battery once and then he also <laughs> oh right played uh played one of my tunes once and he plays nice. like he plays vector tunes out and shit like he he, he definitely like digs man you can tell he's like on soundcloud digging fucking tom's battery <laughs> yeah we've got uh i have to make got... peace with liquid drum and bass fans everywhere <laughs> for my crimes before i get cancelled wait why because uh at the end of um at the end of that team there's just me saying all liquid drum and bass is boring as fuck which i do not believe and i didn't believe then it's out of context <laughs> <laughs> nice. um but yeah. yeah we've got uh we've got the retorts to that yeah we've got we've on our, got our own back yeah <laughs> you got a good sample in there oh yeah from uh is it, is it a nolan sample yeah yeah <laughs> oh yes we have that cool. big boy sample all right <laughs> oh, we have that joy. <laughs> <laughs> nice well curious to hear it cool well um we should probably wrap this, but uh, yeah, I appreciate you both coming on. Is there any other <coughs> things that you want to plug or tell people to watch out for? Obviously, there's an album happening that people should should keep their eye out for. Uh, is there any any other stuff? Yeah, there's that. I'm working on an EP that I'm trying to finish up. Uh, nice. I think Tom's got one that's coming out soon as well. Yeah, so I'm doing a self-release and I'm doing this big mix of lots and lots of music, which is going to be like about half an hour and I'm doing some animation stuff for it as well. Nice. Um, so it will come out in like 2025. Okay. <laughs> Good and um, with your release, Lucas, are you doing that on LA 90? Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. Cause like the thing is I work so fucking slowly when it comes to my solo things. Um, mm. We haven't really properly started pitching it out to labels, mm -hmm. but like, the way it's sounding now, I don't, I don't think any major labels are going to bite it. Okay. It, is, well, it sounds amazing. Oh, I do have to man. say that. It does sound really good. I mean, <laughs> aside from like the, the first and the last tracks, it really continues like the same thread that um, like Ego Feeder and Disgrace and Hideous started. Nice. Like, yeah, I really like Ego Feeder. I've played that tune out in a bunch of sets. Uh, also, Speaking um, of uh, oh. like tracks you've played out, uh, we've made lots of progress on uh, Dolly Drive-By. Yes. Oh, nice. That's a great one. So I, much. <laughs> I stopped <laughs> yeah. playing that one, actually. I, I played it in a few sets, and um, I would always notice it was just like kind of too hectic. <laughs> like, oh, well, that's, that's, we've not made that any better. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Yeah, I think um, there's one drop sort of like, more towards the end that's more of a half time that the drop that's like oh yeah that's gotten worse you should mention that yep i feel i feel like um oh okay well that no that's the good drop that's the one that people i think 
do well with. It's all the Gabba shit before that, like all the hard, <laughs> hard style kick drum stuff that people seem to have a hard time with. Oh man, you played that one, Tom, at your gig, didn't you? I did, yes, yeah. That was amazing. Particular. That was so much fun. Like the yeah. the reaction to that was really cool. <laughs> um, nice. Another thing to say as well, um, like we really <laughs> like each other's music. Like I am Lucas yeah. is the the top listener on my SoundCloud by a long way. I'm gonna embarrass him <laughs> uh, by like a, pretty much a thousand plays. And I think uh, am I am I top on yours or? Uh, you're not roundabout there. You're not number one because that's my mum. <laughs> yeah, okay. I can, I can never hope to to beat that. But yeah, I mean, I've said it lots of times, but she quite literally is my biggest fan. Oh, damn, that's awesome. Let's see. Uh, so what I, the fuck, you're I actually them. top three, Tom. Oh damn, no, who am I being beaten by? Xavier Loudermilk. Oi! <laughs> who the fuck is that? Man, Shout I checked my my top SoundCloud plays. I haven't checked it in a long time, but when I did check it, there was this one guy who was like beating everyone by not like a little bit, but by like fucking like. So, for instance, second place was like I don't know. They listened to my shit like four or five thousand times, mm-hmm. and and first place was this guy who listened to my shit like fifty or sixty thousand times. Oh my god! So he was like first by a lot, and that well, Jesus, that's so thought, cool. Dude, there's someone uh, yeah. out there that likes your music so much that they want to listen <laughs> right. to it that so get much. this i was like man yeah that's what i thought i was like that's fucking crazy i'm gonna message this guy so i messaged him i was like hey man thanks so much for like listening to my music that much and he just never responded <laughs> oh, <what laughs> oh no <laughs> i was like surely this guy would be stoked if i message him if he's like a big fan or whatever but yeah. uh yeah he was just I didn't, he like, either oh, doesn't Mr. check his mr bill i don't listen to that guy anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah he either like doesn't check his soundcloud message or he, or he just missed it or something i don't know but either way if that guy is listening uh big ups yeah nice one <laughs> yep all right well thanks very much for coming on i appreciate it yeah, cheers for having us yeah all thanks right. for having us fuck yeah have a good one Hey, thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. These episodes are edited and uploaded twice a week by Robert Fumo of 303podpro.com. You can also support the show, get early access to episodes and hear bonus content by going to patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bill's tunes and becoming a patron. Uh, Please rate and review on iTunes unless you're going to be a little shit about it. And all the links to my various platforms are at mrbillstunes.com. Thank you. (laughs) 